Welcome to Piecing It All Together. My name is Bo Sanders, and today is a bonus episode. It is the Q&A. After Randy's address at the Bartimaeus Institute on Law, Language, and Land, Robert Tubles joined him for a conversation, and they opened it up for questions. Hope that you will enjoy this episode. Randy and I will be back for episode 45. We talk about conferences and travel. want to thank everybody for their support on Patreon and for their feedback on the Facebook page. You can also email us at connect at piecingitalltogether.com. We love the interactions, so let us know your questions, your comments, your concerns, and we will address them in an upcoming episode. So now I have on my paper, it says, Robert Tubles. What's going on, Robert? What's happening here? And some of the things that you know came to mind with this good presentation is that um, you know, one of the first things I, you know, we talk a lot about is um, uh, reconciliation. You know, that's kind of the big word nowadays, the last number of years. And so I, I ask people, well, how do you practice reconciliation? You know, and when, when, uh, with, with Randy's uh, presentation, you know, in some ways it just seems so huge and big. And, you know, what can you do as an individual to, to do that? You know, when, when people ask me, I had this conversation with my daughter the other day. We were talking about, you know, racism in America. It's, you know, it's a topic we, have, we always talk about. And um, one of the things I said, you know, it's uh, my, through my life experience, I always found it hard and difficult to engage with big groups of people. You know, like the, uh, the rednecks in South Dakota or the racist uh, teachers that I experienced growing up or, you know, the racism that exists in the Episcopal Church. Things like that. And, and I said, when I, when I start thinking in those, in those terms, I said, it, it, I, I retreat. I said, so what I try to do is meet people one-on-one, you know, as uh, individuals, and that's the most simplest and easiest uh, place to start. Um, so uh, that would be the question, is how would you practice this, uh, this idea of a, uh, reconciliation in your life, especially after this presentation? How many Native people do you know in your life, truly know? That you could pick up your phone and say, hey, how's it going? You know, and how do you go about doing that? Um, when I travel around the country, especially in the United States, you know, I, uh, I, when I go to visit a city, the first thing I do is I look up its history. I try to dig as deep as I can. If, it's, if I can't find it on the Internet, I'll look... Uh, go to the library, I'll look up and, and stuff I have, reference books and whatever, to try to find the history of that place. Because usually, uh, and it's like 95% sure that that city or town is, uh, is located on top of an old uh, native settlement. Because they figured it out first that this was a good place to, place, a good place to live. 
and all of a sudden, you know, the European comes along and says, hey, look at this. And so, so and then they're displaced. And in some instances, they're uh, totally annihilated or they're moved off to another, like Randy was pointing out, somewhere else. So displacement. You know, and there's this idea that, you know, uh, this, it's called the Indian problem. Um, if you look at the old... Uh, 18th century, uh, 19th century uh, uh, things that were written by these politicians or church people or whoever, they always started out, you know, this, what are we going to do about this Indian problem? You know, the first there's displacement, there's uh, uh, wiping out, there's uh, um, assimilation processes with, that, with this idea that this will solve the Indian problem. And I think the Indian problem is for them is how to do away with these people that are here. You know, they could they, they do it in the, the more extreme violent way, get rid of them all. They do it through treaties. You know, but the, the idea was that they will no longer be here. But we're still here. We still have these treaties that we're dealing with that are still uh, the law of the land. And, of course, we got the doctrine of discovery. Um, you know, the, Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg used it in one of the cases as a, you know, referred to it. You know, so it's, it's still being used today in law. And one of my friends uh, back in Minnesota, he's a professor, he was tell, pointing out to me that one of the uh, Supreme Court justices, the one that was just uh, appointed before this last guy, is probably more friend of the Indian than anyone else on that that Supreme Court, which I just kind of really, you know, kind of stunned me because he said this person spent a lot of time in the, the circuit court that deals a lot with the, uh, the treaty tribes. So he, he's really aware of the treaties. So it uh, kind of reminds me of the, you know, the, 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 the president that was the most uh, friendly to the native peoples was Nixon. You know, so the the Indian problem still exists. You know, then the other question that you know that always comes to mind when I hear things like this is, you know, you know I'm on Twitter a lot, and you know I've uh, I've checked it just less than a minute this morning, and so I'm trying to stay away from it for this week. You know, it's a, it's an addiction, uh, news junkie, and all that stuff, but. Um, when you start reading commenting, you know, it can really get you really fired up and crazy and all this stuff. But you know, it's like one of the things that's always pointed out. You know, that people like to talk about these things called the affirmative action programs. You know, it's like, oh, they should do it with that. You know, it's not good. You know, um, whatever. You know, it's always looked down at a negative from for a lot of people. But then. That's, you know, America's, what's America's first affirmative action program? The free land. You know, that's what this country is built on that. And when you talk to people who are connected and they talk about their stories, you know, their great-great-grandfather, grandmother came over and they farmed this land and they worked it and they owned it and they did a lot of good things with it and, the next generation moved into the towns, and then 
the next generation went to college and then they're living the good life and they have this wonderful story but that was the affirmative action program that's you know you get this it gives you a step up so we got to remember the stories of the land you know I think when you go back to your communities look for those stories they're there you just got to dig a little deeper and uh, I think you know Randy's good uh, good stories and starting out with these these uh, these ancient stories that are from the land you know there's there's all these creation stories if you engage it if you dig deep you know and we we like to talk about uh, you know we hear about the land land bridge theories the Bering Strait you know that's coming over on canoes but you talk to a lot of different uh, tribal peoples and they say well we were always here because our creation stories told us that we emerged you know we have at the Lakotas the Hopi you know any of these tribes they all have that story so I don't pay much mind to those like we came from somewhere else came here you know this was an empty land etc etc no we were always here you know you can talk to any tribal person about that so I think I um, um, defined the word of what was supposed to be here, so thanks. Is there time for questions? You wanna... Questions? I'll, I'll just call someone out then. Somebody I know. <laughs> how, how about John back there? He's standing back there. He likes... He has always has a good question. Uh, oh, we have one over here. <laughs> yep. Saved by Rose. Thank you, Rose. Yeah. Um, so you started out while talking about the question about reconciliation. And that's become a very, it's an old term, scriptural term, uh, but it's also become a very weighted term in terms of how quickly, you know, People move toward reconciliation, but I wonder if both of you, Randy uh, can say a little bit about reconciliation, how it's used in justice, uh, in the context of justice, and how you understand it in terms of Christianity, and just help unpack that word. So, um, so we were part of, uh, I guess they call it early reconciliation movement. After a while, we sort of got burnt out real quick with that one. And, uh, and then uh, my feeling, and I might, you know, it might just be a little different than other people's, but um, my place where I'm at now is that um, a reconciliation uh, paradigm is really for white people to feel better. And it takes a reparations paradigm for Native people to feel better. So. Reparational relationship with Native communities. 
Yeah, so um, we actually, Solvay and I are doing a workshop on that after lunch on indigenous reparations. I hope you can be there. Um, and and we'll, we'll wrestle with this. Um, I think there is, a, the first thing you usually say to a group of, uh, of white folks, and the first thing that comes out of their mouth without even thinking, and, and uh, my new friend Russ, Russ, where you at? So... Russ, Russ says, because that deep colonization and that deep sense of superiority is in our DNA, he says. He says, and so it comes without thinking to say, well, we can't give back the land. That's the first thing I hear almost every single time. I'm like, oh, it's, 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 and that's part of that Western worldview. It's the binary, oh, yes or no, you know. Um, so uh, so I, let me just say that there are hundreds of, of ways that um, reparations can take place. Maybe thousands of ways. And if you saw the, the movie Two Rivers last night, that's just one example. And, uh, and that was memorialized. It doesn't talk about that in that. But, uh, and that will be shown today, I think, again. Is that right? So you should watch that also if you can. So, um, yeah, so there's what we need is actually people like you who said, that's all we want to talk about. I'm like, well, where have you been all my life, right? So let's talk about that. Yeah. And I wanted Erna to be here. So, for people like me, you know, we've been raised in any kind of like Western Christianity, where like there's such a deep entrenchment between Western worldview and Christianity. Like, how do you dislodge that? Like, where do you go to begin when you can't even see how is the air you breathe? What you blatant truth is actually Western worldview? How it's like a starting point on that stuff. Okay. Um, so I, again, this is just my own view. Okay. Um, denominations and, and religions to me are like last names, right? So like we got people we hang with, right? And, and then we put it under this category of Christianity. Um, but you know, one of my mantras is, you know, I, it, Jesus never became a Christian. And I'm not sure he actually came to start a religion. You know, he, he says 31 times, follow me, you know, which I think is a good, good advice. But, um, and if he did come to create a religion, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't look like Christianity looks like today. Now that said, I'm not saying leave your churches, you know. No, I, I, I think those can be great places. But let's look more like Jesus. You know, that's the point, right? So, um, and so we're, we get stuck in sort of saying, well, this is who our, uh, this is our identity. Uh, instead of saying, no, our identity is supposed to be like 
you know, walking like Jesus walked. So, so we, um, you know, I say, uh, so uh, we tell people, you know, we're, we're followers of Jesus, but we, we keep our traditions and our ceremonies and all of those kinds of things. And we don't belong to a church. We have a sweat community, you know, that meets every month. And, and, uh, how many of you have been our sweats? It's funny that so many people we've met here have been. So, so um, uh, and um, uh, th- that community, to me, looks more like what Jesus was talking about than lo- most of all the churches I belong to. And, I, and um, the last time I went to church, actually, where I wasn't speaking, <laughs> I know that's hypocritical, but... Uh, uh, the last time I actually attended a church service, I walked, started to walk in the door, and I felt someone tap me on the shoulder. And I looked back, and it was Jesus standing there. And I said, Jesus, so good to meet you here this morning. And I said, let's go in. And he said, no, you go ahead. I'll wait out here. Go back. Can I hear you talk about the struggle of what Native Americans have experienced and how they are finding ways to move forward? It reminds me very much of the struggle of the Palestinian people. I'm there and they're fighting. Angela Davis and her recent book about connecting Ferguson and Palestine. So I know how people disconnect it with the Western worldview. They're all related. But we put these categories on, what we call extrinsic categorization, is what, what I call it. And, and, and then somehow now, you know, black people struggle against, you know, colonialism and racism is different than native people's. And they, there are differences, of course, you know. Um, and the Palestinian struggle... But we're all struggling against the same thing. It's what Walter Wink called the principalities and powers. And um, and so, so I guess I turn the question back and saying, how do you uh, differentiate those instead of, you know, how do we find the common connection? They're they're already connected. We're all struggling for the same thing. And and for me, that's our original instructions, which is this way of living and being in harmony, where you know justice and uh, equality and equity and and you know dis- fair distribution and nobody can get too rich and nobody can get too poor you know and but everybody lives somewhere in between and that that's what I see Jesus taught and uh, that's what I see in our uh, native communities um, at least our values is what we we claim um, and uh, and those are that's a human problem you know so that's how it's related we're all human. So, Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think um, you know when uh, you know Randy pointed out about the how we we could become like the powers and principalities. So, like uh, our tribal governments, you know, if you ever uh, engaged with our 
with the tribal government, it's just as bad as you know, working with the uh, city council or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's just part of that structure. Well, maybe you'd say more about that. I mean, if you've ex experienced uh, with the different councils and stuff like that. Yeah, so the, the best way I can say it is, is like, just like the native church often, not always, but most often, and our tribes, not always, but most often, are a poor imitation of a bad model. We have to re-indigenize. We have to find ourselves again, our traditional values, so that no tribal decisions are made without going through our elders in, in traditional values. And, and we know who the real keepers of tradition and the real people who are respected in our tribes are. They're not always the people on the councils. Those are the keepers of those values. And those ceremonies reinforce the values. The stories reinforce the values. The way we live our lives reinforces those values. And that's how we have to make decisions. And, and that is what America, white America, the larger America, has to catch in order for us to live good on this earth. It's just, it's not so complex. Okay, so let's give these brothers a hand.